where I live in uh, Alatau. It's a small community, a small town. And uh, during the initial stages of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, there was a lot of thought that went towards food security. And I guess uh, quite a number of people started looking back at gardening again. <laughs> I think out of instinct, uh, the human instinct, and also being Melanesians, we're very connected to our land. So it's quite instinctual that we we go back to the ways that have served us for thousands of years. <laughs> so it's good to know that there are still those um, options available to many of us in um, our country of Papua New Guinea. So we're very grateful that uh, we were able to do that. Jeffrey Fieger, a PNG artist, and our guests in this episode are reflecting on their experiences of the pandemic and the many ways their communities rallied together to take care of one another. Each of our guests has a story to share about how families and communities found ways to stay connected and how we might take some of that learning with us into the future. Welcome to Vossa, celebrating creators, thinkers and changemakers from across the Pacific, exploring what makes us tick, what motivates us and what the future looks like in the communities and region we call home. Supported by the World Bank in the Pacific and PNG. We spoke to Anne Singio of Palau, Executive Director of the Ebil Society, an organization empowering communities through environmental education and rooted in Indigenous knowledge. Anne says the pandemic revealed hidden strengths and safety nets, ways of caring for each other passed down over generations. For the longest time, we were trained to look outside for what we deemed we thought were smarter solutions. I think that it is crises like the pandemic that really are good source of reminders for us in our society to really look within and recognize the strengths that we already have built in our societies. Anne's experiences of the pandemic underscored that it's not about learning something new necessarily, but more about valuing the practices already present in your community in new ways and realizing the value they have in helping one another survive and thrive through good and bad times. As soon as something happens in our culture, an event takes place, people already know what their role is. Like a brother who is supposed to bring fish to his sister's house is part of food security. A sister who gardens and is supposed to bring her harvest to feed her brother is food security. And those relationships are very uh, complex and intertwined and, and, and sometimes even linked to a third party that's not directly involved in that relationship, but has a role to play to an extended part of that family. And I mean, even for me, it wasn't until COVID happened where I really began to look at those food systems of Palau like, oh my gosh, I did not realize the value that this system had in our food security system. It was these ancient practices that kicked into gear when lockdown came into effect in Palau. And a surprising development saw families bridging the gap between generations. There's lockdowns and people, you know, we're really allowed to be socializing. So they used it as a way to 
go outside and the outside of the house, but they were finding themselves teaching their children things that they never thought that they, they would be teaching their children. And, and also for them to learn also from other elders. And so that intergenerational knowledge exchange was happening. Epeli Tuimbenga of Fiji, a fashion designer and creative artist, also experienced a surprising upturn. As he and a group of friends worked to support performing artists through a series of virtual concerts on Twitter spaces, his business, the fashion label Kuiviti, grew during the pandemic. I think the pandemic sort of grew my business, whereas the, in, in the sense that most, most of the Fijians living in the diaspora started ordering. Even when I was hosting Twitter spaces, for me, that was I was subtly marketing Kuiviti because I, I was genuinely helping the artists out and indirectly the Twitter followers were helping me out as well. As border closures shut down the tourism industry that so many performing artists relied on in Fiji, Epeli was one of many entrepreneurs and artists who staged virtual concerts in what was then the newly launched Twitter spaces. We'll learn more about that soon. And for Epeli, it was simply an example of the problem solving that creative artists have to do every day. Being a person in the creative industry, we're always on our toes. We're thinking of for new ideas where we have to be on our toes and we have no other choice but to be say, constantly being innovative and constantly like in, in the event that this doesn't come true, what next? What next? Speaking of what next, what happens when the pandemic is followed swiftly by a natural disaster? This happened in a few Pacific countries and the Kingdom of Tonga experienced volcanic eruptions followed by a tsunami. Dr. Fotu Fisiahi, CEO of Tonga's Ministry of Internal Affairs, talks about the massive impact that the pandemic had on his ministry's ability to serve their community and how their focus adapted in the aftermath of the natural disasters that followed. Our community outreach programs, activities were completely put on hold, especially our sporting activities, outdoor sporting activities, community um, zumbas and uh, um, sports. Our women uh, economic uh, empowerment activities were also affected. Labor mobilities were also affected and service deliveries to our uh, elderly people and the people living with disabilities were uh, completely affected. So we were kind of uh, putting everything on hold uh, while we try to find ways on uh, how to receive those service deliveries in the most appropriate and safest way. Um, as you know, that COVID-19 lockdowns uh, came on top of the um, volcanic eruptions and the tsunami. So our focus was mainly on people living in the most affected villages and islands in the aftermath of the volcanic eruptions. What to do when the world comes to a standstill? Our guests will tell us how they all had to think on their toes while taking the utmost care for the safety of their families, communities and workplaces. Back in Alokau, Jeffrey and his community faced similar challenges. We had um, school students no longer attending school, young adults. They have a, quite a restless energy. Yes. Um, we had a number of like social issues in the community. The boys are uh, getting drunk and just getting up to mischief uh, while they were not in their homes, but uh, hanging out on the street, not being sort of given attention and um, given objectives or things to occupy themselves with. So 
it brought um, the community together for meetings and to create some kind of engagement for them. And so we ran volleyball and rugby touch competitions in the community. And then we went on to uh, host a Independence Day celebration where we showcased uh, on stage some of our talent in terms of dancing and music um, as an alternative outlet to um, the violence on the street or getting drunk and being uh, getting up to mischief. Uh, so it was very engaging and um, in some sense healing as well for the different demographics to interact, to break down this disconnect between the, the older people in the community and the, the younger ones and to bring them you know, back into communication again in some way and appreciation of each other. The risks were great and so were the opportunities to help one another. As we'll soon hear, caring for the community means working together in ways we may never have considered before. And sometimes, as Anne observed in her community in Palau, that means paying attention to practices that we may have taken for granted. I always ask myself, how did my ancestors do this? It's such hard work. And uh, how did they manage? Because I have, I have to work in an office and, and do the tar field work, and it's so hard. But once my family, the women in my family, started coming up to the garden with me, we started sharing labor. And then dividing harvest, accomplishing so much more than just a garden for me and my family. I'm actually able to feed my network of family. And the workload became so much easier. And then I thought, ah, this is what you do. Anne saw that as people moved back to their communities following border closures and lockdowns, being away from urban centres, they now had time and the motivation to plant food and to appreciate traditional ways of planting and harvesting crops, helping households put nutritious meals on the table while children, nieces and nephews spent precious time with their elders learning how to work the land. I was bringing uh, my niece with me to the therapists and now she says to me, my gosh, I... I value taro so much now. She said, before, of course, I enjoy eating it, but I never really valued it. You know, I just take it for granted. Taro, it's going to be there. She said, but now with all the hard work, I I just look at that one taro and I'm like, oh, so much hard work went into producing this one taro. <laughs> How much more value and respect they have for people who toil the land and plant food and, and even for that one taro. <laughs> for Epeli, free time was quickly filled with ideas for staying busy, staying creative, and connecting with fellow artists. Being aimless, you're like, let's, uh, while businesses are closed, let's see how we can maximize uh, our presence online. So we started going live on all different social media platforms, starting from TikTok. And we're just like, oh, let's pretend it's a talkback show and we'll play, we'll play all these uh, music from all these uh, artists. They quickly discovered the platform that would work for them. And the rest is history. Only when we started on Twitter Spaces, I think because it was such a new thing, that people just started coming on. And I was like, um, let's do this again tomorrow with, an, uh, with another artist. That artist is playing, and we can do Fakorella. And uh, that artist is uh, taking you, and he got, uh, he got like a really good amount in terms of uh, Fakorellas and shit. And then um, Dexter in the US got on as well, and he was like, I want to hold Cookie. And that's should be another, um, another co-host as well. 
computer was still testing out the computer space and half the time it would crash. So we needed like a lot of um, hosts to always be on standby in case one space crashed, one would quickly open the other. Once they found a way to make it work, there were dozens of virtual concerts on Twitter spaces, bringing Fijians together from across the world using the practice of fakawela, showing appreciation for a performance through cash or gifts, so that listeners could support local performing artists and remunerate them for their talents. More than simply online concerts, the Twitter spaces were a way to nurture and celebrate traditional ties between provinces, giving Fijians much-needed opportunities to connect with one another, share music and laughter, and to do what communal cultures like ours enjoy doing, to help one another. This same spirit came into play in Tonga, where teams in the Ministry of Internal Affairs remained determined to continue serving those in need in their community. We put in place some COVID-19 operational uh, protocols, which we uh, try to make sure that we get the service deliveries to our clients, uh, especially the social protection part, is delivered without much interruptions, especially to our people living with uh, disabilities and elderly uh, residing in the most affected villages and islands, having to deploy uh, some of our um, essential staff to the front line to deliver the services. We were focusing more on the areas where they were most affected by the volcanic eruptions and the um, tsunami. As communities rally to support one another, governments have a responsibility too. The Ministry of Internal Affairs in Tonga rallied their efforts to make sure that government services, alongside community support, reached people who needed them. So uh, um, that doesn't mean that we do not deliver service to other part, uh, other areas who are not affected. But as you may um, know, that uh, the whole of Tonga had a fair share of the volcanic eruptions. COVID-19 just came up to, to you know, to top up the, 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 the problems that were already in there. Some of us we're down with COVID, but we managed to uh, get up and, and continue to do the service deliveries. We have to follow the protocols that we put in place, making sure that we deliver the services that we were supposed to deliver in the face of COVID-19. Rather than simply giving in to the challenges and constraints, communities remain determined to be there for one another. It's the experience of overcoming these obstacles that has led our guests to conclude that we often take for granted how our societies can become segregated and divided without us realizing it. As Jeffrey says, it is in breaking down these barriers that we can better support one another in challenging times. The challenges that Papua New Guinea faces on a whole is um, this adaptation to uh, urban lifestyles where we are almost segregated into individual families and no longer there's that sense of uh, belonging to a community such as a village where things are done collectively in larger groups and there's a genuine sense of togetherness. So um, in the urban centres, we, we've had to build barbed wire fences between each of our houses and live a very sort of isolated lifestyle as a result of um, you know, this, uh, the culture that we're adapting to. So it raises some question marks, this pandemic and certain things around it and highlighted some of the dysfunctionality in the community, and especially between that relationship of youth and uh, the seniors. And it's still an ongoing thing. And I guess the fundamental uh, realization that 
our youth uh, are our future. And um, if we can give them that space and, and give them that attention and care now, that we secure the future for everyone. Learning what we have learned from the pandemic, how do we honor those lessons? How do we ensure our community ties remain strong and we are better prepared for whatever shocks may come? Anne is working in Palau to create more opportunities for intergenerational learning about traditional farming and fishing practices. So that's one of the things that we have been talking to the fishermen about because before they had communal fishing and those practices have been abandoned as people become individualized and you have your own boat, you go out fishing, you come back. We have these practices that are very sustainable practices, but it requires an entire community to fish together. And so I'm talking to them right now about what if we uh, created at least two events a year of communal fishery where all the young people have to participate and you work together on developing the tools and then you all go out fishing together. And when you get back, all the fish are divided throughout the community, throughout the village, and they are really liking it. While the pandemic's restrictions prevented her organization, the Ebil Society, from organizing their usual summer camps for children, Anne and her team went a different route, engaging young people as researchers in traditional knowledge and giving them the space to explore issues they care about. So we decided to create a class that um, is called Decolonizing Research Class. And uh, we taught these kids how to conduct research on their own. And we taught them how to video and photography and gave them the tools and said, now find a topic of interest and get out there and learn about it. And it was amazing because I recognize that even I have been part of this um, effort to really try and increase learning of indigenous knowledge, uh, teaching it to the young children, having that exchange between elders and children, but allowing them that space where they can research on their own and, and just giving them their tools to do it. Showed us what was important to the youth to really understand what these kids want to learn about themselves. The impacts of the pandemic have planted seeds of change, Anne is seeing communities evolve from COVID-19 with new appreciation for living in harmony with the environment and for greater engagement with Indigenous and traditional practices. Because they were forced to relocate back home, I see so many young people who are establishing themselves in their own communities and even the people themselves have changed from what I used to know when they lived in the city because now all of a sudden I see fishing and preserving fish. And I see the young lady going to the tarot cards because I even have some of them asking me, can you teach me how to fix my tarot cards? So I'll go and spend a day with them. And it seems like they grew up in my perception because now they're actually able to toil the land and grow their own food and assume new responsibilities where they're actually contributing to the wider society it is times like that where you're actually able to pull yourself out from that system and say, oh my gosh, we have we have such smart, wise ancestors and people who established the systems in place that have safeguarded us through 
prehistoric wars to Second World War to now pandemics and natural disasters. But we seem to fare okay because we have those things in place. Epeli saw virtual concerts become a staple. And even as restrictions have eased, they remain an option for artists who now have a new outlet for engaging with listeners and supporters. And for Fijians and Pacific Islanders to discover and show appreciation for new talent. Not limiting the experience to the musical, but giving people an engaging online experience in a positive space. I think it's just taken a life of its own and now the artists can host themselves as well. And I'm just seeing so many uh, ripple effects of what happened at Twitter. And it's just going on now, there's an overflow of virtual concerts happening everywhere, which is so good. And uh, I'm like advising some of the artists to not stick to virtual concerts, only engage in other small businesses, do giveaways, um, collaborate with other small businesses, just so that you can uh, make it more creative. And not just, it's not just like a singing thing. Everyone can also be online. They can listen to good music. They can shop. They can, like, it's just like a big marketplace in one live session. With remittances from the diaspora playing such an important role in the region, these virtual concerts had real economic impacts for artists and listeners as they sought new secure ways to transfer money. And for some people, they, uh, overseas, so they weren't really familiar with World Remit, which is our version of Ampersad. So that really educated them on um, on that bit too. Um, some, some, some of the artists started signing up for PayPal. Um, some of the artists just like uh, started opening up other bank accounts just so that they could cater to everybody's request for Pacoellas. Really crazy. And uh, like during this, during the lockdown, I wouldn't call it like um, the craving for music. It was just the craving to help each other. Um, one word that always came to mind was uh, our the sole sole baki, our our way of helping each other, um, and continuing to help each other too, so that we can continue producing content. So it's just been overwhelming support from uh, Team Fiji on Twitter. For Dr. Fisiahi in Tonga, a similar realization that there are always opportunities to work together, to find connectivity, so to speak, beyond ministry or department boundaries. There's some sort of. Uh mindset that COVID-19 is the, is the responsibility of the Ministry of Health. We only realize that it's everybody's uh, responsibility when it hit the country. And, and to fight back, you know, to fight off uh, COVID-19, it's everybody's uh, responsibility. As CEO of the Ministry of Internal Affairs, the importance of readiness has been a big lesson for Dr. Fisiahi. For myself, the, the biggest need from our side is to be better prepared, Readiness wasn't there. We have to be ready to enable service deliveries in any situation like this in the future. Strategic planning must be put in place to address any unexpected situation, uh, such as the COVID-19 in the future. For a country that has experienced what Tonga has, caring for one another across borders has taken on a new meaning, whether it is global partners or the many across the Pacific who share a deep fondness for Tonga and its people. The support that we get from our neighboring countries and autonomous partners in supporting social protection in Tonga is very much appreciated. We are, I'm delighted that we have people out there caring about us at this time of uh, hardship. With our social protection role here, we are strong enough to stand up and do this because we got people, good people behind us. We got good uh, um, developing partners who are willing to support us by all means. And we are, we are glad that we have people around us that are thinking of us 
at this very difficult time. But we, we, we felt that we are strong enough to walk on, walk strong, and continue to promote social protections because there are good people out there supporting us from afar. I'm sure so many of us are a little tired of even thinking about the pandemic at this stage, and that's understandable. It has been such a tremendous shock to so many, and the losses experienced cannot be taken for granted. But as our guests have shared, we can't waste the lessons we've learned, especially as they point out all the ways in which we can better care for one another as a community, whether through innovation and technology in the virtual space, or through the millennia-old traditional practices that have sustained our Pacific peoples through generations. Thanks for joining us on this episode of VOSA. Links to information about Jeffrey's creative work as a PNG artist, Anne's Ebil Society in Palau, Epeli's Kuiviti fashion label, and the Tonga Ministry of Internal Affairs' great work are in our show notes. If you like what you're hearing, follow us on social media or subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. We love hearing from you and have had some great opportunities to share your voices and comments in our episodes. Keep them coming. Until next time, take care and stay safe.